Welcome back to Caffeine Confessionals. We're here to talk about the challenge, Double Agents, Episode 9. My name is Alan Aguirre. Here are my lovely co-hosts. First, we have the Canadian Miss Nikki Sin. Hello, hello, hello. And now, officially joining as one of our co-hosts is our good friend, Luke. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. So, Luke, how did what did you think of this week's episode? I, I was a fan of it. Uh, really enjoyed it. I... I'm not a big Amber B fan. Maybe she can sway me, but I thought it was very anti-Amber B, so I was with it. How about you, Nikki? Ooh, I th- I thought it was uh, a bit of a, a a rookie show, if you will, because it was all rookies fighting, being like, I don't want to put so-and-so in. I don't want to go into elimination against this person. Is this how you play the game? And I was just as tired as Cam. <laughs> yeah, I think I tracked it. In total, there was about... 35 minutes total that was just daily challenge and the elimination itself where if you like watching the challenges this was your week because we saw almost the entirety of it like completely unedited and it was my favorite it was trivia week i love trivia wow, I Sarah Rice. <laughs> I love I love trivia. hey but i love trivia too and i like the aspect of the sabotage same very like survivor you get to like see who's gunning for who i would not sur- have survived this at all though no way we're going to talk more about the daily challenge in a bit but for right now we're going to go into sections and we're changing up our format with the podcast and we're going to be doing a more graded aspect and we're going to start off with the house drama from this episode and the main house drama this episode was Amber B against the rookie girls and the rookie girls felt incredibly betrayed because they played this game with so much trust with one another and this friend backstabbed them for the Big Brother Alliance where she's kind of the number four or number five person in the alliance. However, it's the challenge and people backstab all the time. And what were you guys thoughts on it? I like I felt for Amber B because you know she wants to ride or die with her, her Big Brother Alliance, but I don't really see the Big Brother Alliance riding or dying for her. Like I, I feel like in in like past episodes I haven't really seen Fessy be like, yeah, let's go Amber B. You know, you're we're Big Brother, we're Big Brother. I always felt like the rookies were really rooting for her all the time, so it 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 felt odd to me. But um, it was a smart move on Amber B's parts, on Amber B's you know, gameplay, because it's going to move her more forward rather than, you know, sticking with the rookies and probably getting thrown into elimination as, like, a sacrifice. Yeah, I so agree with that. Um, You know, when you think the Big Brother lines, I don't think Amber B at all. She was with those rookie girls, but those girls are small. They don't have exactly the numbers. If Amber B wants to line with Big Brother, they're aligned with people like, you know, Cam, Leroy, um, they've got more numbers in the house. So just as Nikki said, that helps propel her game. And as Alan said, you got to make those decisions because it's the challenge. It's not Big Brother. Yeah, you're it, there to make money. It was really unique, this rookie girl alliance, because they are playing the game with the idea of strength within numbers. And you don't see that a lot. Like they trust each other, like Gabby, Big T, and Amber M, like 110%. And I think that's why they feel so betrayed by Amber B because, you know, the big brother players, they will flip flop on you. They will get mad at you. They will be angry with you. Whereas like they've been so supportive and I think that's why they feel so betrayed. Yeah. And I think when Amber M or Amber Martinez went and was like, Hey, you're a fake bitch. 
I was like, listen, this isn't Are You the One? Like, this is a game where you got to make these decisions. And you lost Michi as your partner, but did you really lose that much from that? <laughs> no. <laughs> what, like, what was Amber M really that upset about? I think she was just looking for more of a storyline. I don't know. I go back and forth on her. To but me, it was just the fact that the rookie girls can make moves if they all stayed united because if you get all four of them and four of their partners, that's eight votes and you just need one other team to theoretically, you know, make the choices and hold the power when it comes to the house votes. Uh, the problem is they are not winning the challenges themselves, so they can't make the power votes either. No, you can't have all this like big talk and these big ideas if you're not going to be able to win the challenges and do it. I do think uh, Gabby made like a good point that Amber B, especially when it comes to the one-on-one conversations, does try to play innocent a lot. She does try to play that that sweetheart yeah. role. And if Gabby, who I think is like a very sweet girl, is saying that about someone else, it's really telling. Yeah, I took notes again this time, and I specifically wrote down <laughs> Amber B can diffuse a situation like no other. Like they're up in her face, like really mad at her, and she was like, "I don't want to argue." And like, if I'm voting someone in elimination, it's going to be you. And she's like, okay, that's okay. Because she's like, I'm not having any parts of this. So I can admire that part. I, li- I like that you have like a burn book. You're oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm Laurel. I took notes. Um, <laughs> notes, notes, three pages, actually. Yeah, took them. If Amber M was writing it, it would say Amber B standing for Amber Backstabber. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what? I mean, a, little, a little much, but I did like it. Not what I thought she was going to say. <laughs> the yeah. B must stand for B- backstabber. Yeah. I was thinking of a different route, too. Was there any other real drama in the game today? Shockingly, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think before the daily there was. I think it was very Amber versus Amber with a sprinkle of Gabby in there. We got to see Teresa talk to Corey about you know, having postpartum depression after her baby, which was, you know, kind of huge. I mean, I mean, it's something you just don't think about, especially like we don't see moms on the challenge ever. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. I think we always get the storylines with the dads that's really played out like I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for this, that, the other, which is great and all, but it does get old. We've not seen a mom. I don't know if ever, except for maybe Robin. And it was nice to see Teresa open up about her kids and the postpartum depression. Yeah, Davon. My bad. Yes, Devon, I was just going to say, I would have loved to see Devon and Teresa have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But it, it was nice that Teresa sort of got to give some insight to Corey on how Taylor's feeling. Yeah. As he said in his in his confessional, he was like, yeah, like I, I wasn't understanding why she was being such a like a helicopter mom, such a hovering mom. But no, it, w- it was nice to see those two sort of bond like that. Yeah, I agree. Plus, I love Corey's kids, so. They're so cute. So cute. So, what would you guys grade the drama from this episode out of 10? Well, if you would have asked me right after I watched it, I probably would have said an 8 because I was really into it at first. But after sitting and thinking about it for a little bit, I'd give it a solid 6.5. It wasn't anything that really stood out, but I was happy to see that it wasn't just recycled drama from season to season and that the rookies were kind of going against each other. Yeah, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. Um, I like that it was in the moment drama, present drama, things that are happening in the game, not something like 
recycled from Twitter or, you know, some other social media drama. I am going to give it a four out of 10 because, yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't think it was that good drama. I mean, I love good, like I've seen good drama, bad drama, et cetera. This was really nothing. It was, it was just more friends having a tiff and I enjoyed watching it in the moment like Luke, but looking back, I can't really say that this would stand out compared to other challenge episodes. Moving on to the daily challenge, and we had trivia, as mentioned before. Players competed in heats of 9 or 10 or 9 and 9, whatever it was, and there was kind of no rhyme or reason to it in who went in which round. Uh, They were true-false questions, which I personally hate because you don't get the open response answers like, uh, Dutch is the native language of Australia, and stuff like that. (laughs) And... The winner of it was the person who answered the most questions slash stayed on the longest. Uh, When you answer a question incorrectly, you are standing on top of a a giant, I don't know, a pole with a little, with a little, I don't know. You have a pole that you're holding with your hands and then a little place to put your feet on and it gets moved downwards as you get questions wrong or you get one right and you can sabotage someone else. It was a bit convoluted, but the more you go down, it's harder to stay up because then you have to use your whole body strength but there is a flaw in this daily challenge in that how do you know who's staying on the longest yeah was it like was it timed was it like i didn't even understand like the order that the questions were going in i don't don't know if i was confused about that well Um, they went in a snake order where whoever went first would go last of the next round. So that's how they were doing it, uh, which is a fair way to do it. That's how you should do trivia like that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a bad version of trivia because it one, it lasted a long time. Two, if eight people just jump off their thing, the person who wins that heat would not win the daily challenge because everyone else just threw it. And that person would have only lasted like 10 seconds on the bar. I wouldn't have lasted any amount of time because there you couldn't pay me enough money to get up there, first of all. Second of all, it was a, a, a Burger King, another Burger King-sponsored uh, challenge, which I always find just... I find it so comical just to hear TJ be like, oh, guess what the king's bringing you? You're getting a special prize. And you're like, okay, all right. And it's- $5,000 each. I'm like, Okay, great, and like a nice big secret surprise at the end, and it's just free burgers. I'm like, okay, yeah. Jughead, sweet. Yeah, I find it such a contrast too for it to be so intense, and we're agents, and we're this. There's a mission and interrogation, and by the way, uh, there's some whoppers. Uh, but I do like Nikki said. I love whenever they give them money throughout the season. Like I, I love personal bank accounts. So whenever they do these yeah. random, like, hey, you get five thousand, you get five thousand. I love it because when I was on here with Alan, we talked about how that can like alter the challenge wiki of like who's you know made more money than who, yeah. and that five thousand can push somebody over the top. So I'm always in like, hmm, can this boost this person? I found it really cool. They're like, oh, this like the challenge is a sport, fitness, fitness, fitness. Have you tried a Whopper? You should have a Whopper. And 
And what's so interesting to me is the Burger King sponsorship, you know, we saw the protein one a couple of weeks ago. That was brand new, I feel. But Burger King, they've been doing this for years. Oh, yeah. I can still, like, in my brain, I can still see Tony wearing the crown. Yeah. The Burger King crown, which you can just, like, ask for at any Burger King restaurant. Just so anyone knows, if you're having a bad day, go to Burger King, ask for a crown, get some tater tots. Days made. I no when they when the winners of this daily challenge were rewarded with their five thousand dollars and then a briefcase that had the Burger King logo on it. I thought they were going to open it up and it was going to be a paper crown. That's what I thought it was yes. going to be. I thought it was going to be like a paper crown and a single whopper. <laughs> that would have been too much for me, I think, but hilarious. They opened it and they were like, "An avocado, thanks, great." Like neither of them seemed like thrilled well the thing too about unlimited whoppers for life like what are the actual stipulations or regulations on that can you just walk in and send me 20 like today's my day is the winner really going to be like 95 years old walking to burger king being like i've got my card yeah like and how many times are you like do you frequent burger king i i don't i don't (laughs) not like burger king don't get me wrong if burger king was looking to sponsor caffeine confessionals i'm all for it crowns look great on me but there's just not a lot of burger kings i feel yeah there's a lot of burger kings here but i live in like la where there's just like lots of everything um i gotta say feel bad for amber be winning a year's supply of whoppers because you just know that she just isn't eating whoppers like that's just like not part of her life and Darrell saying that he's going to, you know, feed his kids Whoppers instead of taking them to Hawaii was. <laughs> yeah, I, what a nice birthday gift for his son. And, you know, Amber B, she might have a really high metabolism. She might take those burgers and spread her peace and positivity and give them away. I don't know. Yeah, Whoppers with the homeless or something. Exactly, exactly. There's probably some, like, cap off it. You can only get, like, one a day or something. Yeah. There's no way Burger King has that much coin. I got to say, with this daily challenge, there were some people that impressed me. Uh, Gabby stayed on for a really long time after being, you know, multiple people tried to sabotage her and miss questions. She was holding on forever. Yeah. I think her being a personal trainer really helped with this because I I feel like she does a lot of like upper body strength stuff. Good core stuff. Good, good core strength. Yeah. She was holding on. I feel like an element of it, too, was just not being afraid of heights. We saw that Big T, like, she probably could have held on a little bit longer if she wasn't absolutely petrified. Oh, yeah, she was, like, shaking like a leaf, and I, I don't blame her. I was, you, My palms were sweaty just looking at it. No, you can make the argument that Darrell being so afraid of heights is why he won this challenge, because everyone knew it and was trying to support Darrell, to not jump off and they're not sabotaging him when they get questions right because they know that would be, you know, kind of a jerk move to knock the person down who's terrified of heights. It's true. It's weird that Darrell hasn't really been seen as a threat throughout the season yet. Like there was the the talk between uh Teresa and CT in that one episode, but I I feel like, you know, he's he's playing a sleeper game. Yeah. He's doing it well. I mean, to yeah. this point, he's been one of the worst players, which 
I'm not saying Darrell is one of the worst players. He's just performed like one of the worst players at this point. It's all heights. Poor guy. They're like, okay. Stand on this giant, this like really high up platform. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, all right, here's a helicopter. Hang off of it. I don't want to do that. Heights, <laughs> swimming. It's not Darrell stuff. No. Nah. And I want to say maybe it's strategy, but I don't think it is. No. I I was a little upset when Lolo had made a comment that she was surprised that Nam was smart. Isn't mm. he an engineer? Yes. You already opened the you just up you opened the floodgates on me to talk about Lolo. Let me just say, she is the worst partner to ever have she is so critical of her partner not to backtrack the last week's episode but like he did really well and she did not cheer for him i was very upset but yeah don't make the comment that he's not smart he's obviously smart like you said Nikki, he's an engineer Um, and then to have a question from or for Devin to be like has lolo jones participated in the winter and summer olympics well duh they're gonna get it right lolo probably talks about it every waking second of the day I 1,000% agree. She's crossed the point of unbearability for me where whenever I hear her voice, it honestly doesn't matter what, whether I actually like agree with her. I just, I'm just like, just stop talking. I just, I've hit that point and uh, it's, it's been very grating. I know in my heart of hearts that she thinks that Nam wasn't going to do well in that trivia because English is his second language. I, oh, yeah. I know in my heart of hearts because of that. And people that that are like bilingual, trilingual, multilingual, is that, mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like as a writer, I should know whether or not that's a real word. Way smarter than someone that knows one language. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the MVP for worst answer of the episode was... Casey saying that it was true that wolverines were vegetarians, to which I thought to myself, like, yo, if a wolverine was a vegetarian, I'd have a pet wolf right now. Is that a wolf on your shirt? Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, my God. Not even the X-Men wolverine is a vegetarian. And I can't even give her credit. Like, oh, it's a hot stick situation. It's a wolf. Like the big bad wolf ate three little pigs. Like this is since you were a child. Come on now. It it wasn't like a question about like a like if a dinosaur was like a a herbivore or something, and you like trip up on the answer. You're like, oh oh wait, I meant like a wolf. Come on. I would I will say that's the only benefit of true or false, in that people overthink it, and you could give them harder questions because it is true false and it's a fifty fifty shot. Uh, I love CT got the question like. Is a quarterback the only position that can throw the football? Which is a really good trick question that he got right. Because the answer is false. Right. Yeah. I I also liked how fast they started answering the questions when they were, like, getting nervous. Like, Fessy was like, true, true, true. Like, screaming about LeBron. We're like, okay. What I thought was crazy was that... Uh, scared we got it. Someone, fe- someone got the answer right and fell before they could say who they were sabotaging. And I, I remember think thinking to myself, Fessy. like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Fessy. Uh, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, wow, he, if he said a name, that would have changed everything. Oh, for sure. Why well, didn't he just say it while he was falling? 
Yeah. Oh, just- oh, so the worst fall of the episode goes to Teresa, who overshot it and Ooh. fell oof, back first onto her head. Yeah. Just all arms. I don't know why TJ laughs at those at this point, because I just think I see those and I've seen players literally get taken out of the game with those falls. And I have to think at some point, I know TJ likes trivia, but I think some of those laughs have to be superimposed because it's a little over the top at times. Yeah, yeah I, I do think TJ likes watching people fall because, like, he's an ex-gamer. Right. But also, I, I, I don't like the trivia where it's... What I, did, like, what I didn't like about this particular uh, or, uh, challenge was that they had the ability to sort of hold on farther. I like it when they're, like, wrapped, you know, when they're, like, wrapped up on something. And then, like, they, they fall a little peg down. Mm-hmm. And then they'll fall a little peg down. Yeah, because with this one, you could get many wrong. And if you had super strength, you could never fall. Which I guess, that's kind of a cool twist on it. But it's not our typical trivia challenge. Where it's like, if you get it wrong, you're down. Yeah. I, I, think- I, I was impressed by some people. I mean, Teresa really looked like she was dying by the end of that. Noel was smart. He did it all in the wrists. Mm-hmm. He wasn't straining his hands too much. Poor Cam just kept getting warnings. He's like, "Stop holding the edges." Yeah, I would probably be holding the edges too. I'd be like, "I'm just scared. I'm not. I'm not trying to cheat. I'm just scared." Yeah, exactly. Was anyone else waiting for a Superman moment where someone was falling off and then they came back up? Because I kept waiting for that and it just never happened. The first person to do that, I think, was Kyle. You mean like when he was hanging? And I was like, he's not swinging back. There's no way. There's no way. I knew there was no way, but I was hoping like someone would pull it out and it'd, it'd be like the like a challenge moment that I remember for years and it just never happened. Yeah, that would take core strength out of this world. But yeah, that would have been awesome. What would have been really helpful is whatever shoe got thrown at Wes's face in the first episode, if they had the traction from that shoe, they could have got back up. Listen, that could have that could have saved somebody in that game. I still want to know who shoe that is. So if anyone knows. <laughs> Unsolved mystery. So what do you guys give this daily challenge as a grade? I will start and I'll give it a five. I really like trivia. Uh, I don't know if I like when it goes as long as it did. I'll give it a six. Let me be, let me be a little more optimistic. I liked, I think, the twist that you could hold on to exhibit your strength, but I also do like some daily challenges that are not purely strength-related. Um, so I'll give it a six. I'm going to give it a five and a half, because I think it could have been done in one big go where you should have had to like depend on your partner. So if your partner got a question wrong, like you would fall, or or some sort of tier system like that, Rather than these two like elongated heats, I. And I'm gonna interject just really quick. I apologize. I I really wish the heats would have been a guy's seat and a girl's seat. I feel like that yeah. would have been a better estimate of like, hey, here's who's winning this challenge. Here's you know, I don't know. I agree. I think it would have been helped by having Nam and Darrell go against each other in that final round because Nam got penalized due to the fact that none of people in his round answered questions correctly yeah it's it seems they, they could have done better yeah i mean we had 25 minutes of daily challenge what's another five minutes 
Yeah, at that point, yeah. Five minutes is nothing. For a grade, I give it four out of ten because I think it was just too much daily challenge. And maybe that's because there just wasn't enough entertainment this episode in general. Uh, yeah. Do you think it's the Burger King sponsorship? Like they had to give it like more airtime? Oh, that is a great point. Uh, if there was like a Burger King like watermark logo in the right hand corner <laughs> the whole time, I, I think so. But no, I, I think because of that, I think it's just they didn't have much content this episode and they had to get to a 90 minute episode. I will say if it was like a lifetime supply of chicken fries, I think I'd be more optimistic about this episode. Oh, I, I'd be like, sign me up. Yep. I'd be signed up for every reality TV show simply to get on the challenge, simply to yep. make it to the Burger King challenge. Are you the one you win one million chicken fries? Ooh, I'm down. <laughs> Amanda and Shane won a year's worth of Burger King, which I think, you know, if you if you work hard enough, that's like winning a million dollars. That's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, in like The Sims or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess you could scrap your whole like year's food budget and just eat Burger King for every meal. I mean, they do pre- have breakfast, lunch and dinner. You bring the whole family. That's how you do it. <laughs> it's a good diet to stay on the challenge and maintain and be successful. So I think that's good. Yeah. Moving on to the gameplay section, we saw some gameplay slash strategy at the beginning where Corey is just licking his fingers because Josh has a red skull, gold skull, and he's hungry to take it from him and just go to the final. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. The look in the fingers was weird. I will say Josh having a gold skull is perfect for all the guys in the house because his performance last week was, I don't want to say pitiful because that's giving him too much credit. I'd probably be licking my fingers too, like, hey, at least Josh is an option. Laughable. It's the, it's the best thing to happen to Devin's life ever, that Josh won an elimination, because now there are two layups. Oh. Just what what a pathetic showing last week. Sorry, my man. That's that's gonna be a very easy gold skull to take. I think yeah. I could take it. And I'm not even I'm not not only am I not on the show, I'm not male, and it's already happened. <laughs> like, yeah. And I still think there's a better chance I could take it. Absolutely. A really weird thing I thought was Kyle saying, oh, I'm not going to go into elimination again this season. And he is in a good spot right now because Devin and Josh are the layups and Fessy and Leroy are more looked at as the big threats. And he's kind of in that nice little middle spot. But if Devin and Josh get taken out, he's next on the chopping block. Yeah, and if history repeats itself, Kyle's got a really good social game that sometimes bites him right in the ass right before the end. I mean, I don't think he has a good social game this season. He's just kind of talking crap to everyone every which way because he's been able to rest on the fact that he got his gold skull so early and now other people are trying to get it. Now that that is gone, maybe you can't talk so freely. I kind of always wonder who Kyle's friends are in the house. I know he always gravitates towards like fellow Brits. And like that, that seems to work out for him. But 
until this episode, I haven't really seen him and Gabby communicate at all. Until they were at the Diet Coke Dome or whatever. The, right. Where they, <laughs> they drink their Diet Beer Coke. <laughs> yeah. And to Alan's point and your point too, like he might not actually be playing that great of a social game this season. He just has a good partner that kind of runs some things behind the scenes and has more numbers than Kyle does. So he's setting pretty. It seems like he wants to play more of a, but he wants to play a dirtier game than Cam does. Cam's like, no, like this is, a, like, I have like a game plan, a game plan to win. I'm trying to get this, this money. I was like, I'm trying to get the money, but kind of want to screw people over too. The positive of Devin being your best friend is that like, oh, let's pit him in elimination against his best friend. And he's like, oh, great. I'm facing Devin. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yep. For other strategy that happened, we saw, you know, Amber B after winning the daily challenge was in control. And her decision was between, are we going to vote in Gabby because Amber M is the rogue agent? Or are we going to go for Teresa because Teresa is a big threat. And we saw Nani, of all people, play some politics, play some social game, and get in the ear of, like, Amber B and be like, hey, I don't know about this, but, like, Teresa, she's beating all of us in a final. All of us. And there was some truth to it, but also, Nani just hates Teresa. Good on her. Yeah, Nani is smart. Like, you know... She's not beating Teresa, and I like that she can admit that. I think some people come on the challenge and are so pious, so like, I can beat anybody. Nani knows her strengths. She knows her weaknesses. She's not beating Teresa. And this is such a side note. Them sitting on that couch with that lighting, Amber B and Nani, I was like, huh, I see something. It looked really, really, really nice. But, yeah, I'll digress. I, I loved it. I also think it's kind of unfair that – Gabby seemed upset. She's like, oh, Amber Amber B's got this, like, you know, this ego now that she, she's won. And, like, she wants me to, like, kiss up to her. And, like, I'm not going to do that. But when Big T won, everybody was kissing up to her. And it was, it was like, all fine. I did think the same thing. And I think that, I mean, I just said forgetting this, and please forgive me, Andrew B. lovers. I was like, it's easy to hate on the nice person because they're never going to retaliate. So that might be the rationale there. But you're exactly right. It's such a double standard. I got to say, man, again, just going back to Nani. Nani is the nicest human ever most of the time. And it says so much about Teresa as a human being that Nani felt the need to actually politic in that moment and you know kudos to Teresa because you got this person who doesn't play politics for like 10 seasons to actually actively try to get you an elimination when the heat was kind of off you it, it worked I we are forever this is a naughty stand account right here in this household we stand on exactly. every day exactly and I, I was waiting though I, I was missing this I really wanted the Teresa and Nani montage of like pasties and then going at it and then just like panning back to Nani being like, so yeah, I want her out. Why didn't they show that? The the editors could have done so much with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, they needed to give you the Burger King section where they opened the briefcase, not the Teresa and Nani montage. 
Yeah, no. that a lot going. Yeah, I would have even settled to have like the Burger King himself be like, "Okay, here's what happened." Like shameless, <laughs> this is what you missed in the the Nani Teresa beef. They had, beef they had a walk for the fight. Like, And what's funny is that the moment the rookie, I mean, it, it talks to a lot to like the Gabby, Amber, Big T unity, where the second they're like, wait, we can vote in Teresa? All right, as long as we're keeping our family safe, we're keeping the three of us safe. We're keeping us out of elimination. And, you know, that's their little trust circle. But why don't they want to get their skulls? I don't understand. I have the theory, and it might not be theory, I don't know, but I just feel like, you know, maybe Gabby, maybe Amber B are like, okay, we could probably take Big T or Amber M. Like, let's keep them, which I know Amber M's don't Amber B, but let's keep these small girls around until we can go in against them. Let's put these big threats against each other. Oh, absolutely. That, that should be, that should be I it. I haven't even thought of that. That should be the gameplay. It just kind of, now it's become a mode of survival. And I think you want to be on the show as long as possible. I mean, I don't know. Uh, that that Nam Lolo interaction was kind of funny to me because it was just two people I just never expected to see conversing at this point in the show. Yeah, yeah. I don't know my grading for the this this strategy. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it ten just because Anani Nam Lolo creates a ten grade. Yeah, I can get behind that. I will give it an 8. I won't give it a 10, but I can understand the rationale. I am Team Nani as well. Um, it was just nice to see that moment of realization like, hey, let's stop ganging up on each other right now and take out this clear and defined threat that is Teresa or Toxic T. Yeah, before I give my grade, there is something I want to note in that Amber herself doesn't you know, want to go in and get her skull against someone weak because... She just would rather go for Teresa right now. And Darrell's kind of confused by it. And I think for Amber B, generally I like it when people wait to the end to get their school because that's, you know, you don't, I don't want people to have to defend him. But there are only like about five more female eliminations left this season. So after this, there's only going to be about four more. And yeah. that means you only have four shots to get, you know, two schools. Whereas on the male side, you know, they have to defend their schools four times. If you got it now, you don't have to defend it twice. I just think that now would be the best time to win. It's when it's there's no shortage of players in in every you know every grade level. Like there's there's weak, there's weak links, there's really strong players, and then there's just overall mediocre competitors. I also got to give props to Casey for when Amber approaches her about the idea of a Casey-Teresa elimination, Casey is actually like, oh, yeah, I'll take on Teresa. Like, I, I can yeah. win that. And, like, the amount of balls, the gusto you have in that moment that, like, kudos to Casey, man. Like, she's actually been winning me over a lot this season because she's playing the game, like, at the highest level politically out of anyone. Like, I know a lot of people think Cam is, but Casey has no target on her back, is somehow controlling these idiot Big Brother players, and... Every single week, her vote is on the right place. And I think she's somebody that actually 
get, which is the whole premise of the show, but you've got to go in and get your gold skull. And she's like, you know what? If I lose to Teresa, it's not the end of the world because, you know, she's known in the game, but I also think I can take her. And, you know, she knows too that she's a threat. She's viewed as a threat. They're going to target the other smaller girls before they ever come for Casey and her skull. So she is smart. It infuriates me how good. It, yeah, it infuriates me how good Casey is at this game because her personality I just don't care for. But she's so damn good at the challenge. Like, I've hit a point where I like I have to just admit that like she's awesome at this show. And if you don't think so, you're blind at this point. <laughs> you're, you're simply wrong. If you don't, if you don't believe that, you are simply wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's undeniable at this point. For grades, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. And now we got to talk about the elimination. And the elimination, as we spoke about before, was Teresa versus Casey, a powerhouse elimination where you have two of the three strongest women in the house, probably the best players besides Cam, going against each other. TJ tries to pull a fast one on us by making it think it's Corey versus Leroy. We don't fall for it because he's pulled this stuff almost every week at this point. And also, women need skulls at some point. Yeah, I tried to pull the old switcheroo. Didn't really, didn't really trick me again this time, TJ. Yeah, and I hate that TJ keeps saying, like, guys, I make the rules. You never know what's happening. And it's like, you don't make the rules. You just tell them what the rules are, TJ. Yeah, and then the elimination. voice it over later. Right. The elimination itself is players who are tethered to each other's back uh, in a reverse tug-of-war style, and it's altered from the way they first did it this season in a much better way. Uh, there are rings across the course. Um, there's one vertically from a player, and then two on the left horizontal sides, left-right, uh, and they each have to get their rings and put them on a pole and as I'm explaining it, it sounds boring, but the elimination itself was kind of boring. Uh, Casey beats Teresa 3-0 uh, in what is a dominant win, but it wasn't a bad w- loss for Teresa because if you saw Teresa's face during the elimination, she went from her normal brown to red to purple by the end. So she was trying her ass off. It was just Casey had the strength, the speed. Just kicked ass. I was a little frustrated that Amber B didn't want to go down. She was like, "Oh, I don't know if it's a headbanger." This well, it obviously wasn't a puzzle, right? I is that like a Big Brother thing? Because Fessy was well, could be anything. You were like, but it wasn't. It was obviously a physical thing. I think Amber B could have taken Teresa in this. Shoo, I don't know. I, and I might just be an Andrew B. hater. I'm really not. I, I like that. I'm not the biggest fan, but I feel like Teresa's pretty strong. I feel like the only two girls that probably could have beat her were Cam or Casey or maybe Anissa, just because, like, literally Anissa could dig down and wear Teresa out. Um, one of my favorite things about the entire elimination, though, was Leroy cheering on Casey. I wrote this down too. He's like, Casey, drag her, drag her, work her, work her, work her. And, you know, for Teresa, who's been paired with Leary before, has known him for probably over a decade or close to it. You know, that's disheartening. Uh, you know, no one's cheering for Teresa. Like, Teresa, drag her. You know, I really enjoyed that. 
I think Devin I mean, was we, cheering for Teresa. Wait, wait, I don't really like Devin, so... <laughs> hey, no, but Devin had the point of, like, the viewers of, like, if Teresa wins, she'll come back with revenge, and that's just fun for the house. And I'm like, yeah, that would be great television, because Teresa makes great television. Regardless of whether you like her or not, she has been just a joy to watch as, like, a villain on this show, where everything she does makes a splash. The female villain has been brought back, and it this time it's not just them trying to put the spotlight on Kara being a villain. I feel like yeah. they tried really hard in War of the Worlds 2 to make Kara a villain when, when it seemed like Polly was running the whole show. Yeah, I so agree. And that was refreshing this season, just like Nikki said, to have somebody different being villainized. But there's got to be somebody you love to hate. And not that I necessarily hate Teresa, because quite frankly, I would have rather her won the elimination. But she'll be missed because she brought something different than just like, oh, all us girls love each other. If we have to go, we have to go in. She was like, no, like, let's do this thing. Yeah. What's interesting is that before the season, uh, apparently she had a messed up shoulder. Uh, And I don't know if you noticed this, but when the elimination ended and I think she took off whatever thing you were on, one of her shoulders looked completely different from the other. It was like egregious it was like one was just not in the same place as the other Uh, yeah i saw her trying to remove it and i was like you're gonna take the whole arm with it what are you doing she's like trying to take the the strap off i'm like i i'm not a doctor i've seen many seasons of scrubs but i am not a doctor please don't do that yeah and i i don't want to not add this part in here the elimination, it's pretty hard to make a tug-of-war seem climactic, but they played down the slowed, or they played the slowed-down version of Take On Me and, like, showed the people's faces, and I was like, Teresa, a vet, is about to lose, and you're playing a slowed-down 80s cover song? <laughs> but, yeah, I did notice her shoulder, too, and just sad. I do like uh, something I talked about, I think, when Luke was on the podcast was that Teresa's challenge career was like really abruptly ended while she was like at her peak, when she was the best or second best girl in the casting pool. And honestly, if you, you could make the argument that if she had continued doing the show, she would have probably won a couple championships, probably be in that Kara role as well, because like she was better than Kara, like at that point in time. Um and then she just, you know, drops off the franchise. And all these years later, she gets to at least end it on her terms. Yeah, I liked that for her. I liked the the book ending sort of of her, her challenge story. Yeah, I love that she said she didn't have closure the last time because it seemed like she wanted to continue with the challenge but had that unexpected pregnancy. And I, she had that realization in her confessional, like, this is it for me, but it can show my kids how I didn't win but I still went back and did what I wanted to do. You can have that moment. And she said, if my kids ever watch, um, they can see that. And I love the thought of like Teresa's kids growing up being challenge stands and maybe even hating their own mom on the show. <laughs> I, lo- I also think that Teresa, like the way she went out is also like the most Teresa way ever. And I think that's, that's what's so great about it because if Teresa had come back and won this season as a villain, it would, it, would, it would be iconic, but it would kind of be weird. 
compared to the rest of her challenge career where like you kind of have to build up this underdog angle when she's not that person like the editing would be way different and instead it was emblematic of her whole career where she makes these big moves she's impressive and then gets really bad luck in who she faces in elimination what the elimination is itself and technically didn't even go that far yeah it's like halfway right yeah. T- technically, she's like she came in like tenth place. <laughs> not not the best showing. No, but it, that- it it was it was awesome though. It was like like I think this is one of the greatest challenge returns ever. Oh I yeah, think, I think it was also good for the rookies um, on this season to be able to compete with Teresa, like the female rookies, uh, just to sort of be able to have that not idol and not someone like role model took like to look up to on the show, but um, sort of a, a challenge persona to, to mirror mm-hmm. because all and overall, the, she's a great player. Yes. And for the people who are like, why can't we get more moms on the show? Teresa came back and she was awesome. So we can definitely get more moms back on the show based off, you know, this appearance. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, Teresa's pregnant now, so don't think it'll be within the next at least nine months. Don't think she'll be back on for 37. No, she said she's, like, basically done forever. Yeah. She's retired forever, she says. Did you guys see that she blocked Jay Starrett on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> and I can't for the life of me figure out why she would do this. And, you know, it just might be that he's, he liked something. Who knows? But I definitely think she's somebody that's like, oh, no, I'm done. This is it. Yeah, I had my comeback. Yeah. I'm done. It's, it's because Jay in, like, his interviews was like, yeah, Teresa t- tanked my game and stuff like that. And she's like, dude, what the hell? We were partners. Uh, and to me, like, that's the most Teresa thing ever. Like, I, I love her even yeah. more because she, like, did something that was that, like, unnecessary. Yeah. I know that, that Nani unfollowed Teresa on Instagram. That and I, like, I just didn't even know the two followed each other in the first place. What, <laughs> what sort of interactions happen there? Like, like Teresa's like scrolling on her phone when her when her kids are playing in the corner, and she's like, I don't know why they be playing in the corner. I'm obviously not a mother. When her kids are playing in the the large room, they probably get to play in. Um, she's like, oh, look, Nani's out having lobster. Better double tap that. What is, there, I'm sure there's no social media friendship there. Yeah. I'd say there's no love lost uh, with an unfollow because they don't seem to get along to this day. No. So what would you guys give the elimination grade? I'll start and I'll give it, I'll give it a six. You know, it was a good elimination. I like tug of war. That's like shows off strength and there's got to be some strategy to it. I like that Casey went for the hardest pole first. That was cool to see. But other than that, it was like, I'm just watching these two people go against each other and nothing's really happening. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, uh, I think the, the athleticism that was showcased was amazing. You know, um, I think that people really do underestimate Casey as a competitor, which is wild to me. If you, you know, just look at her, like her stats in in terms of 
you know, she like she plays football. Mm. She won a big brother. She's already got at least physical and political power. But I also just I wasn't enthralled watching it. I wasn't like, yes, dig! I wasn't like screaming at the screen. And I don't know if it's because I'm not super rooting for either of them or because it was just two people pulling on a rope. I, I give it a 5 out of 10. I just don't think that Reverse Tech of War is ever a good elimination. I don't think... that. I don't know. The best version was when uh, I think Jordan beat Swift in like 5 seconds and that was like Oh great! This is it's done. It's over with. Or when Nelson won in like ten seconds, like that. Those are the only moments. It's awesome when someone wins quickly. Other than that, it's pretty underwhelming. It's just it, it it just dragged out. I liked that on Invasion when it was uh, it was like Ashley, Nicole, and Amanda. I liked seeing Nicole. Ashley was just like nope, went right for that bell, the three way one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. But it was also three people, and I, I think. Like, if we had a third person, yeah, it becomes entertaining, but when it's just two people and whoever's just bigger usually wins, that's a bit meh. I mean, Carver versus Naya was good, but as a whole, it's, it's generally underwhelming. Yeah, I can see that. It was so boring that we forgot that Casey chose Leroy as her partner again. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, underwhelming. It, like, I just remembered that. They're the perfect boring couple together they just understand that there's there's worse out there and that together it's at least going to be competitive like with a shot to win they're like stay quiet make your money that's i can appreciate it yeah and now now Corey, Corey and amber m you know what based on Corey's track record I can't see Amber M making it much further. Uh, her personality has been nice and refreshing. Just that's why that doesn't care to clearly be weak, but still say what she feels. I really appreciate that. But I don't think Corey's little curse is going to be the only reason we may, might see her go soon. She's yeah. either going to be eliminated, pregnant, or both. <laughs> I love, the, yes, yes, Nikki. I love the little Anissa comment, like, you know, people used to be scared to get near him and get pregnant, but now they're scared to go home. Yeah, so that's spot on. Yeah. Corey is probably going to get his fifth partner soon, which would be literally one-third of the cast of the season. And it's just funny because I know at the end he'll probably be in contention. And let's see if he can get someone good. Like, like you know, he already he – actually, he's already had awesome partners. He had Ashley – and he had Natalie, but just things aren't going right for him. Uh, what were you guys' oh. overall thoughts? What was your overall grade for the episode? See, I love the challenge so much that I think I watch it and I get this like euphoric high of like, that was such a good episode. Like this season is killing it. And then I think about it and talk about it. I'm still going to give this episode a 7.5. Just because I really am enjoying some of the new storylines we're getting to see this season, the rookie girls have definitely brought it. Now, I don't always want the episodes to be dominated by them, but this was definitely a heavy one. Um, And I love, as I said earlier, I love when they give individual money to people that they just get to bank. So a 7.5. I'm going to give it a 6. It was a really enjoyable episode. Uh, Not sure it has much rewatch value for me. I don't know if the season will have a lot of rewatch value for me overall. I tend to like 
rewatching seasons that have uh, warmer weather. Warmer weather seems to be uh, better drama for me. Um, but you know, it was it was nice to see a player that I support, Casey, get her gold skull. Six. I am also going to give it a six. I, I I agree with Luke. Where like I come out of the episode, I'm like, good episode, good episode, and I'm like, this season's been solid, and the season itself has been solid, but this has definitely been the weakest episode this season thus far. Uh, it it was just a long daily challenge where it was just people saying true or false a lot of the time, and yeah, I don't I don't really have much else to say about it because. We saw, I mean, I mean, we talked about it, but like losing Teresa, that sucks for the game. Uh, Casey getting her goal school, which I think she's playing a great game, but it's just boring. And Amber with Corey is just going to lead to probably them going into elimination again. It's a shame that the way the editing is working out, they're not really showing what could have been really entertaining storylines. Like, I know that Amber M and Michi were hooking up. I want to see that. How did that play out? Yeah, I love the hookups because I think that's... Love the hookups. Yeah, it's part of the lure that people used to love. I remember this was weeks ago, so forgive me, but weeks ago on the after show with Bev and Simone, they showed a Fessy and Ashley hookup. And like, it was in the midst of him like wanting to get with Tori and wanting to get with Gabby. And, you know, it was random 30 seconds, but throw that in there and be like, yeah, Fessy's doing the most with all the girls in the house. But that gets cut for them to yeah. talk about voting for for 10 minutes it's a mess and i i guess i kind of get the the amber michi stuff because like oh we don't really view michi as important this season so we're just gonna not even give him this at all which is a disservice to us the fans but if you have to make your cuts i guess they just drew a hard line like if it started with them on episode like two or one and they decided episode two or one, just not to show it might as well keep that consistent. I guess that's fair. Strong, but fair. So in the trailer for the mid season stuff, they show Gabby and Fessy kissing. And honestly, I had assumed that had already happened because that was in the preseason trailers. And because of that, I just didn't like, I thought it was something they edited out like the Ashley kiss. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like they've done this because I remember I think it was World of Worlds 1. They showed a Nani and D fight and they even showed it in the midseason trailer and it never was shown ever. It might be one of those. World of Worlds 2, they showed Bear and Kaylee hooking up and it was never shown. And they showed it in the midseason trailer. Um, so maybe this is just their like pull in for people like, hey, it's going to happen. But I hope they do show it. I agree. And that is our episode for today. You can follow us on YouTube at Caffeine Confessional. Subscribe to us, please. Throw us a like and a comment. You can follow us on Spotify at Caffeine Confessionals, iTunes, our website, caffeineconfessional.com. Follow Nikki on Twitter at TheNikkiSin, her website, TheNikkiSin.com. Her IG is the same, at TheNikkiSin. Follow me on Twitter at TheAlanaGiri, on Instagram at TheAlanaGiri, <laughs> and my blog, TheAlanaGiri.medium.com. Follow Luke on Twitter at Mr. Pukey Luke. <laughs> you gotta change that, that to the, the Luke. The Pukey yeah, Luke. That's it. Twitter, Mr. Pukey Luke. <laughs> that's it. Have a great day. Yeah. <laughs>